This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. From the corporate office to the cab of a truck, they're here to inspire and empower women in all professions. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy DeCaro. We're a show that works to inspire and empower women in every profession and lifestyle, including the office, trucking, the trades, and even motherhood. We power women on the road to success. We tackle all kinds of topics and we work to encourage women to be their very best with informative guests and women who've been champions. I'm Shelley. And I'm Kathy. No topic is taboo on our rig. We tackle the tough topics along with the not-so-tough topics. And we like to feature experts and celebrities who can assist women in being the very best they can be. Too many women find themselves in abusive relationships that leave them no choice but to get a divorce. Often this escalates into a bitter custody battle with a co-parent with custody arrangements that are not working in a way that's best for the kids. Renee Rodriguez founded Best Foot Forward to help women in this situation after having gone through this herself. Her mission is to help women find solutions that protect their children. She empowers parents to help themselves. She's a custody consultant who specializes in divorce coaching. She's also a violence against women advocate and certified instructional designer who helps abused parents find self-improvement. She designed the custody blueprint that prepares protective parents for court through strategy, mindset, and evidence while using truth and virtue even in the face of lies and manipulation. We have Renee with us today to talk about her important mission. Welcome, Renee. Thank you so much for being on the show with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to to chatting today. First of all, I want to thank you for what you're doing. You're helping yeah, so no many kidding. people. Yeah. Mm, yeah, we're we're so grateful for everyone who we reach. It's such an interesting way that I came to doing this, but it's as you said, you know, sometimes someone's able to take their own experiences and do something with that, you know, turn that around in some way or another, right? Yeah, and you're definitely paying it forward and sharing positive ways for people. You're, you're providing answers and hope for the custodial parent when they've been in an abusive relationship. And I understand you were in an abusive relationship with a narcissistic spouse. I was. Yeah. Um, we, and, you know, technically we were actually never married, but we, we were together. We did have a child together. And to be honest with you, as someone who had, you know, really been moving forward in life, had a lot of successes and that type of thing was feeling good about everything. I had no idea I was being abused. This wasn't physical abuse, right? I just couldn't understand why I was feeling smaller and smaller and more and more voiceless and afraid and then walking on eggshells and then terrorized, really. Um, so it really was coercive control and psychological abuse. And because of that, it took me a very long time to realize it. And it wasn't through me alone. It was a friend who, once again, I'm sitting with her and I'm saying, hey, 
Here's the latest thing that happened. What did I do wrong? How can I fix this? Do you have any advice? It's horrible. I feel horrible. What can I do better? And she finally said, I, I just, Renee, I have to stop you. And I have to say, I think you're being mentally abused. And I said, Ment what, I don't, what do you mean by that? What is that? I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, I think you just need to look it up. I think that he is controlling you. I think you're being mentally abused. And when I next had an appointment with my therapist at the time, who at, coincidentally I'd started seeing when I felt that something was wrong in the relationship that I just couldn't figure out, that I just couldn't figure out how I could do better and what I could do to fix it. Then I asked her, hey, I had a friend say was mentally abused. Do you think I'm being mentally abused? To which her answer was yes. And I said, my goodness, why didn't you tell me this? And she said, you can't really tell somebody that they have to be ready. I think your friend sensed that you were ready. You certainly have been getting closer to being ready. And my job was to help you use your voice so that you could see how he reacts to that, what he does and says to that so that you could start to realize that there's his reality and then there's reality. And so that you could begin to see that difference. And that's that's really how I understood I was being abused. Yeah. Well, especially with narcissists, they're such experts at gaslighting oh, and they yep. make you feel like you're the person who's wrong mm -hmm. and there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I was crazy. married to one, too. So it's just it's awful. And, and it's kind of funny because the only reason I, I recognize that I was in a, in a situation like that is because I went to sign up for a. Uh, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, victim services. <laughs> um, so they put you through some training. So when, when, uh, you know, an incident happens, they have these volunteers to go help to sit with the victims while well, the training they provided, um, everything I was looking at was everything that my ex-husband at the time was doing. I'm like, Oh my God, this is happening in my own home. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like I had no idea. It was the biggest eye opener. And once I saw it, well then of course, and you, you notice all the red flags. Right. And I was, yeah, it was shocked. You know, I ended up calling the DV hotline when I realized it was time for me to leave. And I said, listen, I don't, I'm a little confused here. I don't know if this is right. I'm trying to leave while he's at work because mm -hmm. I'm scared. And they were saying, well, describe the situation. And I would describe a different situation, different incidents of the psychological abuse. And they were finishing my sentences. And I said, look, I need to be clear. He hasn't laid hands on me. He has laid hands on others. So physical aggression exists, but, and they said, no, listen, this is abuse. I said, well, I'm just calling, to, what should I say to him? And they said, based on what you're saying, you got to just go, you got to just go. We do not recommend that you stick around. We recommend that you go. And, you know, I would say to anybody who's listening, who, you know, might be going through this and might be on the verge of leaving, when it comes to custody, just kind of forecasting a little bit, one of the first, we wish we could go back in time, we wish we could take our clients back in time and say, make sure that when you are going to victim services, a shelter, any domestic violence support organization, that you have somebody do a written danger assessment on you. And there's two versions, there's one from 2002, which is fine. There's a newer one that was done in uh, 2020 that is harder to find and not everybody carries it, but it'd be great if you could do that. And it's, it really is about a 20 year difference between um, the update. But 
either one, you want that on paper and then you want to see if someone, if a DV advocate there is skilled and can um, also have you do the mosaic assessment, the mosaic assessment. These things may well become useful for you um, should you find yourself embroiled in a custody dispute. Now, what exactly is a danger assessment as well as a mosaic assessment? So both of those are looking at, they're both threat assessments. Um, and when you fill them out, you know, there's a lot of similarities between them, but I still recommend you do both. Um, when you fill them out, they're basically, they're assessing, you're answering questions from your perspective, like, yes, he's done that. No, he's never said that. No, this, yes, that. And you're talking about, here's what happened. Here's how it feels. It's the same assessment for everyone. It doesn't, you know, it's not comprehensive. It's not going to change. It's the same types of questions because they're looking to see what is the risk of violence now? What is the risk here? And then they will figure out where you're at on the scale and that can be useful in court. And you don't have to be high at, at um, a high threat risk. You don't have to be severe. You can be anywhere on the scale and it can still be useful in your court case. You have to be truthful because these things will um, absolutely be able to tell when you're not. They're designed in that way. But the thing of it is, is that <laughs> there's this myth that women and, and any other abuse victim, you know, there is a, a, a percentage that I want to acknowledge just real quickly. Certainly statistics definitely bear out that it is by and large women who are the victims of abuse, but men can be too. I'm going to talk just in terms of supporting the statistics and for your audience today with the women as the victim. But we find that these, um, you know, allegations of abuse are indeed true. It is only a very tiny statistic of people who are um, coming up with false allegations. But absolutely, like 98% to 99% of these allegations are going to be true. And so when you're filling out these threat assessments, we can trust for the most part that these people are saying that you are saying what really happened, that you are saying that this is how you feel. And because of the false allegations that do come up from time to time, I think it's important that you have this danger assessment and you have this mosaic assessment done so that somebody can say, as soon as she left, this is what she was saying happened to her. You don't want to wait until you're already in the custody battle because it will be weaponized against you. It's like, oh, there wasn't a problem until now. And it can still be weaponized against you. But the sooner you do it, the better. If you can do it before you leave, better yet. Where does someone find those assessments? So hopefully the um, victim services, the domestic violence support organization you go to will have it. Certainly you can get a hold of it through, you know, the hotline or through an online organization. But to have somebody administer it in person is extremely helpful. There are, however, you can certainly find some coaches, some people who work online who will do them for you. It doesn't have to be in person. It just so happens that that's usually how it's done, how it's assessed. Okay. Yeah. Once there's a custody battle and you get into court, it's so intimidating. And it really does feel victims of this, they feel like they don't know where to turn. Uh, it's it's all so emotionally charged. And the attorneys really create quite um, an adversarial situation. Agreed. Yeah. It's the type of thing where we look at our, you know, we look at our lawyers as our saviors. And we always tell our clients, you just you can't do it, 
right? And nobody takes family court 101 when they're in college. You don't know mm -hmm. what to expect. So your expectation is, you know, the law and order episode, the the legal drama where there's this handsome or beautiful lawyer who spends an entire episode just angst ridden about their client and looking up all the books and talking to their boss and all their colleagues and even going back to the police again and just not eating or sleeping anything except their client and that's not the reality the reality is that you're looking for someone who possibly gets it or at least seems to get it it would be ideal if they do but i don't think you abandon your lawyer because they don't quote quote get it Remember that lawyers are trained in case law, process, and procedure, and that is what you need them for. They don't take strategy courses, though. No, right? they don't. So you need to go in knowing you're, you need to go in being strong and partnering rather than just taking orders from your lawyer. You need to form a partnership with them. Okay, so you need to advocate for yourself, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. If we could only find those TV attorneys, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, really. uh, yeah. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Dean Michael, the tax doctor here. I have one question for you. Do you want to stop worrying about the IRS? If the answer is yes, then look no further. I've been around for years. I've helped countless people across the country, and my success rate speaks for itself. So now you know where to find good, honest help with your tax problems. What are you waiting for? If you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS or haven't filed in years, call me now at 888-557-4020 or go to MyTaxHelpMD.com for a free consultation and get your life back. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions? the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of and join us on social media. Learn more at truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you're enjoying this informative episode of Women Road Warriors, I wanted to mention, Kathy and I explore all kinds of topics that will power you on the road to success. We feature a lot of expert interviews. Plus, we feature celebrities and women who've been trailblazers. Please check out our podcast at womenroadwarriors.com and click on our episodes page. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, YouTube, and other sites. And tell others about us. We want to help as many women as possible. Renee Rodriguez found herself in the position of fighting for the custody of her own children after having to end an abusive relationship. It was through those battles she decided to share her insight into helping parents in the same position on how to win in family court. She designed the Custody Blueprint to prepare protective parents for court proceedings. It's a valuable template to increase the best outcomes for children as well as parents fighting for custody. It's a common sense handbook on how to argue productively and plan even when you're being demonized in court by the other parent. Renee suggests that prior to getting to court, if a person is in an abusive relationship, it's essential to get a written danger assessment on record if there's ever a custody dispute. 
Renee's offering her valuable insight on our show today. Renee, isn't it true that in many cases, getting an attorney can be cost prohibitive? A lot of people can't afford it. How do women who are not in a position to afford an attorney or legal services still get the proper representation in a custody battle? Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, It's important to know your resources can be legal aid. It can be finding somebody who's pro bono. Um, You can start with the ABA, the uh, American Bar Association, and see what they've got near you. Um, It all becomes a maze. You can't expect to call somebody and immediately get something. Once you are in a court battle, if you're going pro se, which means self-represented, or pro per means the same thing, self-represented without a lawyer, then you are now navigating a maze. And it can feel like it's made to be impossible on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's not, but it will feel that way. So have faith that you have to keep following. But it is so much work. It is so time consuming. And that's if you have a lawyer. If you don't, then when you call people, they probably are going to send you to the next best place. And that's what you're doing. I mean, we, we, and I don't use the word maze, you know, loosely picture, you know, your kiddos with a maze on a page, they hit a wall and then they're directed in a, you know, one way or the other. That's what each phone call is for you until you reach the end of the maze. And it's, you just have to have faith that you will reach the end of the maze and that you will take the right turn, that the person you're talking to will send you to the next right place to get closer and closer to possibly getting some free legal representation. Now, it is important to realize that you can also hire a lawyer to simply consult you. And what that means is that they're not going to represent you in court, but that you are not entirely without legal advice. That is still going to be expensive, but it is certainly going to save you tens of thousands of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. And then of course the, you know, then the last piece becomes, you know, so then what exactly do you do if you're kind of trauma has taken over, you're having a hard time even navigating that maze, you cannot afford a consulting attorney, you really are on your own. I, it's, it breaks my heart to say it, but you got to do your best to get a lawyer in there because the statistics show that when two people go in pro se, that your chance of getting what you want is only 50%. All right. Now, if you go in there without a lawyer, and your co parent does have a lawyer, your statistics drop to a 20% chance of winning your case. Wow. Yeah, I believe that. Mm -hmm. Of course, the best thing you can do if you can afford it, um, and you know, a lot of moms are kind of like, this is what I want to afford if I can, right? This is it, Um, is you want to have a team and your team is going to include a great lawyer. Your team should include a good trauma certified therapist for yourself. Your team should include a good trauma certified um, play therapist or therapist or counselor for your kiddos. Um, And it should absolutely include uh, possibly a life coach, but definitely a custody strategist, custody coach, what we're doing. When I went through my case, I actually had a great lawyer. I want to say that. Um, he was very, very good. And I have a strategy background. So you might look at that. You might say, good lawyer. She's a strategist. What more could she need? And yet I sensed the gap. I knew that there was something else that I didn't know because I'd never been through family court before. And even if I had, I was living in the bubble of my own case. And so 
I ended up realizing that probably luckily because I was a strategist, I was able to see that I had that need, but I couldn't figure out what the need was. And this was over 10 years ago. So I was like, I don't know what to do about that. And when I was in my domestic violence, uh, my uh, recovery, you end up getting into these groups. These days you can go on to Facebook, you can even go on to TikTok and there's all kinds of stuff about gaslighting, about narcissism. Mm -hmm. Back then, I know it's hard to believe, but try to picture that, you know, I'm going on and there's nothing about narcissism. There's barely anything about domestic violence. And I was mm -hmm. lucky to find two groups. One was on Facebook and they were talking about two different things. Um, you know, Melanie Tonya Evans had a recovery program, which I did end up taking and which, um, I was recovered after that. But the other person was, they said, you know, if you might have a narcissist, you might be in court for this. And there's one mom's battle and Tina Swithin heads that up. So I was like, I gotta, I, I'm, I want to talk to Tina herself. And so I ended up having Tina as my divorce coach. And I have to tell you that having that coach there changed the trajectory of my case in spite of my great lawyer in spite of my strategy background and when we were working together there was a point where she said look you're about to go into a custody evaluation do you um you know do you want to do an evaluation coach because the evaluation is the most crucial part of your case there's only two people who do this um i don't know if they're available i said heck yeah she came back and said they can't take you but look you've you're a strategist, why don't you figure something out and you and I will go through it together. So I didn't know what I was doing. I put something together for my evaluation. When we next met, I showed it to her and she said, Renee, I've never seen anything like this. This is incredible, the way you've laid out your case, the way that you're strategically putting it out there. She said, this is like a, a blueprint. She said, I think you should be doing this. I think you should become a coach. And to which I'm like, slow your roll. I'm in the middle of a case. <laughs> and um you know, that's what what led me to where I am today. But I know that if I hadn't had that team with her and my therapist and my kiddos therapist, that it, it would have it could very easily have been a different story. Oh, absolutely. And all of this is so very intimidating because we don't get instructions on any of this. And you're so taken up by emotion and what's going on and certainly the verbal assaults the potential violence from the spouse you don't know where to turn you don't always get the support the system yeah right? so it's hard yeah. to think clearly and come up with a good strategy i mean in the way the stress manifests itself right i mean what are some things that you guys what i mean there's everybody goes through something different Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of stuff that there's a lot of trauma that we see again and again and again, but people experience it differently. You know, for me specifically, I was, um, shut down and I couldn't sleep and I started getting, um, anxiety attacks and that's not something I'd ever had before. And that was my experience. Right. So then you feel out of control massively. And then the court system also makes you feel out of control, oh, right? Yeah. It's so impersonal. It's so intimidating. And but it doesn't they, feel that way. <laughs> yeah. And and they use words people aren't familiar with. Legalese is not easy to understand. It's very intimidating. It's scary. Yeah. yeah, it really is. And these people hold in their hands whether or not you will have custody of your child. And, you know, you can go in feeling like, well, this is obvious. He never showed any interest in our children until I filed for divorce. Then suddenly he wanted 
this 50-50 thing or he wanted full custody or he swore that he would destroy me and take the children and make me destitute. And we do see them. I mean, there's various, you know, uh, levels of success that they have with that. And so if you know that you have that over your head, every court appearance is just so anxiety provoking. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I think then sometimes there's the assumption that women always get custody that the courts always rule in their favor. But that's not correct, is it? It's not. Um, so, you know, it's called gender bias. And um, the real gender bias is actually against women. Um, and the the professed gender bias is that it's all about the moms. But and there's a I'm not going to give a complete history lesson here, but to kind of put it into context a little bit. Um, you know, there was, there used to be, and there's a couple of states that still employ the tender age sort of concept, right? Where it's like, look, these children are young, they should be with their mother, right? Or at least with the primary caregiver they've had since birth. Um, and there's a lot of science to that, a lot of science to it. And yet, um, with the advent of the father's rights movement, there's been a shift there. And I want to be very clear that the father's rights movement had such an interesting start in the 70s, where when there were divorces, you know, the moms would be kind of like, I was the only person raising the kids. I'm still the only person raising the kids. I could use a little bit of interest. I could use a little bit of help. And so when the father's rights movement started, it actually started in a way where it was trying, the movement was to try to encourage dads to be like, you are important to these children. You should be involved. Here are ways that we suggest that you try to be involved, right? And that's where it started because that was, you know, things were different before then, right? It was just the way that the male female construct in society the mom dad construct was set up was different but the father's rights movement was taken over and became a little bit insidious and started to become um what can be called anti-feminist right that's what it's been called i think the easier way to say it is that it's actually been weaponized in ways that we see again and again and again um, I'm not a father's rights movement fan. I'm not a mother's rights movement fan. I am very much for the children and for abuse victims. And so that's the work that we do. And so we are aware of all of the movements. We have to be aware of it. But what it's turned into is there's an interesting study that was observational. And what they did was they used a whole bunch of just very like high, you know, high level thesis level um, grad students to just go in and observe family courtrooms. All they did was they went in and they observed, right? And they didn't quite know what they were going for, but they had to observe behaviors. And it was fascinating they, that again and again, they found that there was there were interesting behaviors that showed bias against women. The way the women were talked to in the court, how much time the woman's lawyer or the pro se woman was allowed to speak in court versus the man. How often a woman who had had primary custody had that time carved, carved, carved away from her a little more each time she went to court. Um, and a whole bunch of other things that I won't necessarily go into, but they found that about 80% of the women who went in there, um, that there was a very strong bias against them that was um, that appeared from largely the judges, but also the lawyers themselves, including the woman's own lawyer. Wow. And is that nationwide? It's, well, you know, people ask about nationwide. So, um <clears throat> You know, whenever I'm going to the conferences for whether it's the um, domestic violence conferences or the family law conferences, 
Listen, people are coming to these conferences from all over the world. We have clients from all over the world because it's the same family court system throughout. Now, there are some countries that are slightly different. Um, Canada, up until very recently and still for most parts, are far more friendly um, toward, you know, who was who's not just the biological parent, but who truly has been the primary parent. We don't want to mess with that for these children's sake. Um, but there are parts of the United States that are starting to, you know, and this is again, because of the father's rights movement is pushing for 50-50 um, as the presumption. But the reason that's problematic is because if that's the presumption and that's where we're starting, then there's the two big problems with that is that children who are used to barely seeing one parent, um, you know, parent B, they're barely seeing them. Now suddenly they're living with them half the time and their lives have been completely disrupted. That might be great for parent B, but it's not good for the children, right? Um, so that's one of the things is it really disrupts things for the children. The other is if we are presuming that parent B and parent A should have 50-50, it turns out that presumption applies to people who are operating meth labs, um, people who uh. have a background, people who it just, it's the law and it's the law. It's not like there's a whole bunch of fine print to that. It is the presumption, regardless of whatever the background, whatever the behavior, whatever anything has been. Now, if that's where we start presumptively, and judges will argue this, you know, if a judge is listening to this, they're all, that's BS. Here's where it becomes a not quite BS, but here's where there is the allowances. If that's the presumption, it, it then becomes the job of the parent to prove that the other parent is abusive or criminal or what have you. Right. But that then you've got a, a primary caregiver who's coming in and basically saying, hey, listen, I'm the primary caregiver. We want to have sort of the standard that we know works well for children every other weekend. I know that there are studies that show that it works well to go 50 50. But don't forget that those studies, all of those studies basically say that if the parents don't get along or one of them is disordered, this is not actually the best thing for kids. That's not the way it plays out in court. Right. And so the parent, the parent A, let's say is a healthier parent, is trying to show this to court. But if parent B is problematic, then parent B is coming in and saying, hey, she's alienating from the kids. She's turning the kids against me. I was actually the primary caregiver. I don't know what she's saying. By the way, she's also mentally ill and she takes the kids to the doctor too much. And she, I mean, fill in the blank. She had PPD. She didn't even want to be a mom. She, I mean, these, and I'm actually listing the things that we hear all the time because they are the most common things in the playbook. Mm -hmm. And now the court is kind of like, well, we're going to have to go with a 50-50 presumption now because we don't know who's telling the truth until we figure out the truth. But now let's layer in the fact that once we get past a child being in a situation for six months, we've established what many courts call the status quo, and they don't want to disrupt the status quo. So we start with that 50-50 presumption until we find out who's telling the truth. The court takes forever. The child has now been in this 50-50 situation for eight months to a year. So now we have a status quo the court doesn't want to disrupt. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. That's so disruptive to children. And like you said, it this presumption by the court doesn't always take into account the fact that the parent, like one of the parents, could be running a meth lab. It, it puts the burden of proof on the custodial parent it does. to prove that there's abuse. Wow. Uh, and how many people have taken argumentation and debate in school? They haven't. I mean, right. what a terrible thing for somebody who's not armed to deal with all of this. This is just really 
something that they can't manage without some sort of help, especially if their attorney already has preconceived notions. It's heartbreaking is what it is. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, And, you know, even if you do like, even if you do have a lawyer who is great and seems to get it, like I was mentioning, they don't know your ex, they don't know your children, they don't know your case. And, you know, a lot of lawyers, we have lawyers who love what we do, we have lawyers who hate what we do, right? And when we talk to the lawyers who love what we do, you know, what they talk about is the fact that it is incredibly tiring to get the amount of emails they get from a traumatized parent saying now he showed up late now he's keeping the kids now he's this now he's that when there's really not a lot they can do between court dates right so the lawyer becomes sort of a pseudo therapist but they're not going to respond to these things so they're not really being a therapist they're just receiving this information like a therapist Right. And that's part of what we do. We receive those things and we say, look, this, we're going to tell you how to handle this. This does need to go to your lawyer so you can save money on that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But the lawyers get tired out by this. You know, they talk about the fact that they're all like, I start to get checked out. I start to get worn out. Um, I get tired. You know, I get lost in it all. There's so much here that these narcissistic abusers do that it's hard to keep track of the case. And so in a way, when you email your lawyer that much, you're actually not helping your case. You're hurting it a little because it makes it hard for them to see the forest for the trees. And right. they're not going to be able to see the forest for the trees, like I said, unless they've really honestly found a place to train in strategy or they're just a natural strategist. Yeah, they get lost in the minutiae. When it's emotionally charged, that makes it really difficult. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, is building a positive image of trucking by telling the story of the hardworking drivers and industry professionals who support the industry. And you can be a part of it. Learn more about TMAF and how you can join and be a part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting TMAF's website at truckingmovesamerica.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our latest channel, TikTok. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Renee Rodriguez is a divorce counselor who helps clients succeed in family court and gives them the steps they need to take to be fully prepared. She knows how because she's been there herself battling for custody of her children with a former abusive partner. She's the founder of Best Foot Forward and the creator of the Custody Blueprint. Renee offers common sense steps to get you on track and back in control. You also want to make sure you assemble the right team, and your attorney needs to be on your side. She recommends whenever possible to get a lawyer, because your likelihood of winning a custody battle drops to 20% if you don't. That's just one of the sobering facts she's been sharing with us. She's got tremendous insight. Renee, your organization, you have a custody blueprint that you've come up with. What can people seeking your help, what can they expect? How do you help them? And do you help them nationwide? Anyone can reach out to you? Yeah, right now, um, our clients are in um, all of the United States, all of Canada, Singapore, and Australia. Um, We are not currently working with people in the UK. We're not sure if we'll move into that space um, quite yet, although we do understand the space. 
what we do with people is we take our custody blueprint um, and we we work with you so that you can build your case using it. Um, we love it. It has an astoundingly high success rate. Um, and I'm going to knock on wood as I say that, but um, really what we're doing is we're helping you organize things in a certain way. The blueprint takes you through a lot of the different elements of a case from uh, figuring out what you want the custody arrangement to be to figuring out how to come up against their allegations and, and really succeed in convincing the court that they're either lying or that there's a reason something happened the way it did. Um, and then we go through your evidence. Look, you know, moms don't have a lot of evidence before they leave. They might have some and they might have some good stuff even, but for the most part, moms don't have anything before do. We're not collecting evidence on our spouses, right? Not generally mm -hmm. speaking. And so yeah. then, so they have none before when it's the most valuable to have it. And then they have a mountain of it afterward. Um, and when we look at that mountain of it, if we were to take everyone, if you were to take your evidence and put it all, print it all out and put it in a big pile on your living room floor, that would be a hundred percent of your evidence. We want to help you use 5% of that. Um, because if you bring in everything to the court, you are not going to win. Um, the court judges that in a very different way that I know we don't really have time to go into, but that would be part of what we would go through with people. So we're helping you select and streamline your evidence. Um, and there's and that's one of our pillars, one of the three pillars to the custody blueprint evidence. The other one we've talked a bit about, which is strategy. And then the third one is mindset, which we talked a tiny bit about as well. We've had clients who we get their evidence, we get the right evidence there. Their strategy is amazing. And then they shoot themselves in the foot when they get to court. So we have people on the team who help with the triggering, help figure out um, how to appear in court so that it all comes together. With the tools and the templates, then you are going through all of these pieces that follow what we know the court cares about. Um, but they're set up in a certain way that are far more persuasive and can show the court what ha what is happening behind closed doors versus that wonderful, amazing, well-dressed, you know, quaffed, charming co-parent that they're seeing in court who has that soft voice and that twinkling eye who just wants to see his kids. Mm, yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And when you get into court, I like the fact that you help people with their mindset. It can be so emotionally charged. You may be completely prepared and it all goes out the window when you see that spouse looking completely opposite of what he or she truly is and they start triggering you. It, it just sets off an emotional storm. Then you look unprepared. This is a system that is set up so that you are in the room with your abuser and i'm going to give a little bit of a trigger warning here but what we're really talking about is someone who may have been you know putting you under gaslighting course of control or somebody who may have been repeatedly committing marital rape and so um that's the way the system is right that you are in the same room that you have to be there with them and uh, unfortunately i think i believe that's how the system kind of ha has to be perhaps um, because, you know, it, unfortunately it is two parties, even though you basically got, uh, somebody who, because they're married to you, because they're the father of the children or the parent of the children, that they're able to indulge in criminal acts and get away with it. Right. We're, we're yeah. still living in that kind of a world. And so then at the heart of it, you are in court with a criminal, you are in court with, you know, 
your um, your aggressor, right? Your abuser. Um, your, your perpetrator. Your perpetrator and your children's perpetrator too. Yeah. Because some parents can, you know, maybe they've gotten past, especially if you're returning to court, if you've already gone through it and now you're back and you've your recovery has, you know, only taken however long it's taken, which is usually going to be quite some years. But if you're in the middle of your case coming back, then you're still being triggered by the person who is abusing your children, right? So um, it's a hard system to be in. And so you do need to have all three elements and they do indeed work with each other. There's no separate, everybody who comes to us says, I'm here because I need a strategy. I'm here because I need help with my evidence. Some people do a smaller percentage come in and say, I'm here because I'm so anxious and I can't figure it out. But most people are looking for that one thing from us and we have to gently course correct so that they're, you know, ever intertwining all three of these things as we go along and help them build their case. Um, so that at the end of it, I mean, oh my gosh, by the time it's usually a nine week engagement when people work with us. And I got to tell you, oh my gosh, when we get to like week four, five, six, they are such a different person from when they first came to us. It's an amazing thing to see just the empowerment mm -hmm. and the fact that they're, they've got this case that's coming together and that they feel amazing. They don't usually believe they've got their case coming together at that point, but they really are making such headway and finding such clarity and there's such strength coming out. And it is, you know, obviously it's difficult the work me and my team does, but it is so rewarding in that way to watch abuse victims whose children are being abused, find their way to increasing their chances exponentially in court. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry, our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of and join us on social media. Learn more at truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. Custody evaluation is common when you're preparing for a custody hearing in court. And this is just one of the many steps along the way before you ever get in front of a judge or magistrate when you're embroiled in a custody battle. You need to have your case locked down tight with the proper support system, because contrary to popular belief, women don't always win custody. 
you need to be prepared and armed to be able to keep your cool even when you're faced with a former spouse who may have been a perpetrator and abuser. Renee Rodriguez lays out all the steps for parents fighting for their custodial rights in her custody blueprint. Renee is a strategist by trade with personal experience that won her custody after separating from an abusive co-parent. She helps her clients effectively navigate the gnarly system that is family court. Renee, you're a godsend with what you're doing. Uh, I want to say bravo because this is so needed and I don't think a lot of people necessarily know you're out there. How do people reach out to you? You can go to thecustodyblueprint.com, thecustodyblueprint.com. Make sure you put the word the in there. Um, And when you go there, anyone who goes there is going to see that there's sort of a a masterclass that's offered. And I think you do start there because it'll start, you know, when we're working with people, we're really, we are partnering with you. And so we want our clients to be figuring things out and constantly thinking as well, because I, I mean, we've talked during this conversation about how you're getting into court and you look, things happen fast. You have to constantly be thinking. So we like for people to start with that master class, which is only about 30 minutes long. It's free. So you go in and that will give you an outline for your case. If you're feeling like, yes, this is the outline. This is the kind of co-parent I've got. This is the kind of case I've got then um, you're invited and you know we give you the link to be able to schedule a call with us and we determine whether or not we can indeed help you if not we will um you know give you advice for who to go to to help you and if so then we can talk about getting you into a nine-week engagement and helping you build that case so you can protect yourself and your children and you can help people who have attorneys and those who don't, correct? Yeah, we have a real mix. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have, a, a, honestly, like I said, I'm so glad I understood that even my great lawyer wasn't enough. Um, obviously, we make a greater impact when your lawyer is not so great. Maybe they're milk toast. Maybe they really don't get it. Maybe they're all you can afford. But remember, guys, we have clients who are paying their lawyer $1,000 an hour, and we have clients who are having um a free lawyer right given to them who's fresh out of law school and the real difference is what you have prepared and what you have brought forward because we see people with pretty weak lawyers winning and we see people with very expensive lawyers not winning and so it really does come down to your partnership Mm -hmm. with that person absolutely and where do people reach you again in case they haven't written that down yeah it's thecustodyblueprint.com Um, So that's a great place to start to learn more about um, what we've got and everything we've got um, and to just um, see where where you can where we might be able to help you and where you could fit in there. You know, coming from a domestic violence uh, whole lifetime of of that, it's very listening to you talk is very overwhelming, overwhelming because I I vision where I was. But at the same time, uh, it's very empowering. Because I think I really believe that you're get you give hope to the women that are really struggling with you know with the whole uh, battered wife syndrome and you know you're struggling with your own self esteem and stuff and everything becomes so overwhelming. But just listening to you for the last little while, like I I'm really glad that you came on the show. Um, you, you're giving a lot of help to a lot of women. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, I'm grateful to be able to do it. And Kathy, it's, you know, one of the things that we always like to tell our clients is you're, you cannot see it, you cannot see it, you cannot see it. But pretty soon, you're going to find abundance. And um, I'm grateful that I found and embraced that when I almost shied away from it. 
Mm -hmm. And um, two of the people on our team actually started out as Blueprint clients. And um, they actually said to me, they said, when you first, when I was first working with you and you told me that I was actually going to find way more abundance than I ever had before, I was like, this woman is crazy. I don't know if I should be working with her. And now look at me. I've mm -hmm. found so much more abundance than I had before I even met my abuser, let alone was taken in by, by him. Mm -hmm. You're changing lives. This is terrific, Renee. Thank you. And I think it's, we, I, yes. And I think we're really giving people space to mm -hmm. change their own lives. Yeah. And yeah. you're helping the children. Yes. Oh yes. my. I mean, it's just, it's marvelous. One more time. What is your website again? Yeah. The custody blueprint.com. The custody blueprint.com is where you can go. Um, if you, and if you want to get a sense of our templates, you can go to custody templates.com. Um, plural on that custodytemplates.com to just take a look at our templates if because it is a busy time of year it's kind of hard to um you know and depending obviously when you're listening to this podcast there are three really big seasons um of being in family court but if you can't get in to see us right away then at least you can start working on some of the templates there at least start to empower yourself yes and that's so important uh, when you feel so powerless, especially if you've been in an abusive situation, you feel totally powerless and you're bringing the power back to people. Mm -hmm. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Renee. I appreciate you being on the show. Yeah. I, again, I appreciate you allowing me and my team to possibly reach more people who need to hear this in this moment. Are you we kidding? Absolutely. There's oh, yeah. so many people. <laughs> yeah. We that, believe that's... that people hear about us and find us in just the right moment. It mm -hmm. always seems to turn out that way. So thank you for giving us that opportunity and giving people that opportunity. Yeah. You're very welcome, Renee. It's been a pleasure to have you. Our show is about empowering women and you're doing that. Thank you for being on the show. We hope you've enjoyed this latest episode. And if you want to hear more episodes of Women Road Warriors or learn more about our show, be sure to check out womenroadwarriors.com. And please follow us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at sjohnson at womenroadwarriors.com. Mm -hmm.